You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Hey, it's Joel from the Editing Bay, and last week we promised you for the second time uh, an episode about the movie Avatar. And again, for the second time, we're going to postpone that episode because life has gotten in the way as it is wont to do, and we didn't want to leave you without an episode this week, so we're reaching back into the archives. Uh, We figured it was appropriate with Guardians of the Galaxy 2 in theaters and uh, smashing all kinds of records that we would hearken back to the original from 2014 and play that episode for you. Now, you'll notice a couple of things. Um, One, it begins and ends with uh, the Afternoon Delight tag, which is something that uh, we did back in the day when Jeff Earnshaw uh, was producing slash co-hosting along with Joe. They would sometimes uh, go to the theater in the afternoon uh, and see new releases and then come and talk about them here. Well, that new release is no longer new. It is old news. And we figured uh, with all the spoilers they have, it's, it's safe now in 2017 to talk about the original Guardians of the Galaxy. So we will be back next week with the promised Avatar episode, I swear this time. But for now, enjoy this blast of the past with Joe and Jeff talking a little Guardians of the Galaxy. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Joe from the Editing Bay. I work this ridiculous work schedule. It gets me out in the early afternoon, so I get bored. Jeff, from my comic life in 8-Bit, has a similar schedule. So once a week, I'll run by, wake up Jeff, and force him to see movies with me, and then we come back and talk about it. Welcome to our Afternoon Delight. Skyrockets in flight. Woo! Afternoon Delight. Whoop. You guys have it, I think. Huh. Afternoon Delight. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Afternoon Delight. My name is Joe, joined by Jeff uh, from My Comic Life and 8-Bit Gladiators and uh, our soup du jour, our cinema du jour for today. The uh, This one's been getting a lot of talk. Um, <laughs> I, I thought for sure we were going to go see something bad because Jeff's like, I'm picking it this week. I know. I kind of like that, that uh, when we went and saw Hercules. Uh-huh. I had no idea what it was, and I was so scared it was going to be Transformers. Yes, and I and so I, I kind of like that we go back and forth, and uh-huh. like, and I don't know what the movie is, then you don't know what the movie is, and then you and I just kind of started talking, and we were like, uh, "This is such a big release, we got it. let's go see it." Right? Okay. Now I do want to say this before we even get started on this. You mentioned Transformers Four. You're off the hook. I went and saw it this past weekend. I know. Uh, well, so so we should explain to people like what the rules of how I'm off the hook is. It, it, Jeff really doesn't want to see Transformers. I really don't want to see it. And so I know he was scared. If you listen to our last episode, he was really scared that that last one was going to be Transformers Four, uh, and it wasn't. It was Hercules. Oh, thank uh, God. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Is what you <laughs> yeah. want to thank. Um, and uh, and so I know Jeff had been sitting here. Kind of worried that, like, when it came my turn again, that we would probably go see Transformers 4. Instead, I just went, ended up going to a matinee of it on Saturday, and it was horrible. Like, it wasn't even, like, the stuff that Joel and I talk about on Editing Bay. Like, sometimes right. we get some movies that are, like, bad, but they're good bad. Right, because, like, they're, like, campy and cheesy, uh-huh. and, and, you know, they put forth a really good effort, and yeah. they really wanted it, but, like, they just couldn't pull it off. Here's the thing. A movie, if a movie's bad, but you could still tell that some people put some real heart and, like, passion right. into it, you enjoy it. You can tell when someone yeah. puts, like, that much into it. Uh, and you could tell, and it makes it fun to watch. Mm-hmm. This was an abomination. It was so... 
like monumentally bad. The dialogue was bad. Like if you're a big Transformers fan from back in the day, like this is going to, I can't count how many times Optimus Prime was like, I'm going to kill him. Because we know Optimus Prime was all about like the 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 killing. That was the way he equalized all the time in the cartoon <laughs> show. Uh, and like there'd be chase sequences, and it'd go from like day to night to day within the same chase. Uh, Optimus Prime would be a truck in the middle of a highway, and then like Mark Wahlberg's car would turn a corner, and then he's a robot climbing up the side of a building fighting another robot. And you never got to see that transition. You never saw him change <laughs> from robot from car to robot wait, and start fighting. Wait, hold on. It. So you didn't get to see the Transformers transform? transform. <laughs> no, most of the time, no. You didn't really get to see that. Uh, it was it was really dumb, and it kind of reinvented its own rules every thirty minutes of the movie. Uh, where it was like shit. Optimus Prime is a junk up truck now and all these things have happened over the years he's been hiding out and he's all junked up and Mark Wahlberg needs to fix him he needs to be fixed up well he fixes him up a little bit before like the government comes and they try to take Optimus Prime away and then like they escape and they're driving in the truck and all they do they just drive past another a rig and Optimus scans it and suddenly he's fixed up again it's like bitch couldn't you just brought up like Google and just right. Google the truck and be like hey Optimus right. look at that right. now fix yourself uh, so no, it was it was really bad. <laughs> there was a reason why after the release of this movie, Michael Bay had to come out and be like, "I don't give a shit if you like it or not. <laughs> I'm still gonna make them." And That's it's- so weird. That's so weird, just from a business standpoint and no. and and a filmmaker standpoint to be like. I don't give a fuck if you like it. I'm going to still make it. And the fact that people still put money, that I paid money to go see it, but I went to a matinee. I wanted to see. I wanted to see how bad it could have truly been. And it was worse than I would have expected. Yeah, I heard, uh, I was listening to Doug Lowe's movies, and they had T.J. Miller on. <laughs> and he's and he's in the Transformers 4. And, you know, with T.J. Miller, it's, sometimes it's kind of hard to tell when he's doing like a deadpan, like, style of comedy and when he's being sincere yeah especially you know when he's on stage but i want to believe that he was more sincere and was just talking so much shit about his experience filming transformers like right like he was saying like there was one scene they were shooting michael bay was like yeah i don't like that i don't like this scene so just kind of do whatever and (laughs) miller's like wait you just want me to like just improvise this scene where like millions and millions of people are going to see it and Bay was just like yeah I don't give a shit about this just do it that's so fucked up (laughs) is that when he says the Greg thing no no, that was like a different part where uh, because apparently uh, like Michael Bay and and Miller uh, were going back and forth because Michael Bay was like you're not being funny we hired you to be funny and and essentially T.J. Miller was like you keep giving me unfunny shit to say. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, what do you want me to do? You tell me to say this. You hired me to be funny, and then you don't let me do my thing, you uh-huh. know? And, like, there was one uh, scene where uh, Michael Bay was like, okay, just riff and do whatever you want. And that's where uh, T.J. Miller's actually, from what I've heard, funny in the movie is in that one scene. So, I, I yeah, that that delivery was it yeah. was a really good delivery. Yeah. And, and then he dies. And the thing is, like, he dies like 45 minutes into the movie, and you think this is like late into the movie? Uh uh-uh. uh. The movie's two hours and 49 minutes yeah. long. I, I will tell you this one story that I absolutely do believe is, you know, if you don't know who TJ Miller is, he's a stand up comic, and he was doing a stand up show, 
And he kind of borrowed a, a bit from Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman used to do a bit. Yeah, you wh- talked about this on the Planet of the Apes. Oh, did I? Yeah. Okay, well then, fuck it. All right. All right. Then, 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 then I mean, you done. can summarize it really fast, but I'm just saying well, like, you are totally repeating yourself. Uh, right now. Okay, well, essentially, he took his whole audience to go see the movie and then like halfway through the movie realized that he really fucked up because it was a three-hour movie. <laughs> it's, so. Just, it's, it's so fucking long. Um, but luckily, we are not here to talk about Transformers. No, oh, thank the God. The movie that we agreed to go see because I mean at the time of this recording this is the Monday after this movie has been released Mm -hmm. uh, and there was so much buzz leading up to this flick that it was impossible it was impossible for us not to do this film Uh, and what we're talking about is the latest Marvel Studios release Guardians of the Galaxy starring Chris Pratt uh, the voices of Vin Diesel Bradley Cooper had Zoe Saldana in it and uh, Dave Bautista who's also known as Batista in the WWE. Right. And I had no idea that dude was a wrestler. You did just based on how big he was, you didn't know he was a wrestler? Well, like, dude, you I mean, like, look at Terry Cruz. He's not a wrestler, and look at how fucking jacked he is. He wasn't? He never did any professional wrestling? Uh, I mean, I don't follow I, I, pro- professional No, you know who that was? That was um Tiny Lister, who was in Friday. I'm getting that mixed up. I, which I, I'm totally sounds horrible. I'm, I'm just saying, is like you can have really fucking jacked actors who you know, who can play that part. So I had no idea that was a wrestler. And then when the performance was actually good, that's another sign that it wasn't a wrestler. Because, like, <laughs> you go listen to last week's episode when we talked about Hercules starring The Rock, a former wrestler. Didn't give the strongest acting performance no, of didn't. all time. No, he didn't. All right, so I think I am justified in <laughs> saying that being surprised that uh, that the character Drax was played by a wrestler, uh-huh. and actually being surprised that it turned out to be a good, a good, a good performance. performance, right? Well, and actually is because uh, Sam and I we touched on this movie just a little bit in our latest episode, and he 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 said that uh, once a uh, Dave uh, Batista is that how you say yeah it? Dave B- Batista whatever is once he found out that he got the role of Drax is apparently he broke out crying and the next day signed up for like intense acting classes. Wow. And so and and you and I'm like, okay, when I heard that I was like, yeah, that makes sense because it paid off. You know. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, now I get it. Is is he is he went above and beyond. And so and and it paid off, like I said, is he did an amazing job in the yes. movie. Yes. Now, I think everybody involved in this film did a really good job. The, okay. I don't think we're. I don't think we're, we're 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 making it a mystery at all for the listeners. This was a good movie. No, it was. It was. It, a, was. it was a really. This good isn't flick. the editing bay. We're allowed to go <laughs> to see go quality see shit. <laughs> well, editing bay. We're we're allowed to see good movies too. That see that's the weird thing. Like we started off with the whole like okay, we watched Birdemic, we watched the Avengers. It's really fun to Wait, rip into bad the movies. Avengers, the the, the the Uma Thurman Avengers. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it, and it's like oh, it's fun to talk about bad movies. But every once in a while, we do watch stuff that's pretty good. Um, whether we know it's good ahead of time or if it's something that surprises us, you know, like something like Big Trouble in Little China. That was a- I knew it was going to be a good movie. Joel had never seen it before. Hansel and Gretel, neither one of us had seen it. We had no idea we were going to like it as much as we did. Yeah. But then for every Hansel and Gretel, there's, know, a, there's, a, there's an escape Lundgren. from tomorrow. Uh-oh. Fuck you. It's Dolph Lundgren's great, man. <laughs> Masters of the Universe. Come on. Um, all right. So Guardians of the Galaxy. How to summarize this without spoiling it all, because I don't want to spoil this movie for the listeners, but what I do want to say is it, it's very Firefly 
It feels very. It's got yeah. a definite Firefly feel to it. Um, this film made me feel, for the first time in a long time, like how I felt the first time I watched the original Star Wars movies. That like it's this epic space opera. Mm-hmm. There's so many colorful characters. There's so many you know thrills and uh, and 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 swashbuckling style moments. Right. You know, it's these these guys are total space pirates, and it's it's amazing. Uh, and it's it follows this guy, this Earthling named Peter Quill, who you know as a child is abducted by aliens and taken into space. And he's you know twenty six years later, we come across him now as an adult, and he's he's what they call a Ravager. And basically, they they scour the galaxy for relics and treasures and stuff. They take on jobs and then sell their booty back to you know some, to dealers or whatever. And uh, and while he's on this this planet called Morag. He ends up finding this orb. You know, he tracks down this orb, and as he's as he's getting it, he's stopped by this guy Korath and his crew. Uh, Korath, played by Jaimon Hansu. Oh, wait, nice pronunciation. <laughs> I totally would fuck that. Uh, I was like DiGiorno, DiGiorno, the guy from Amistad, uh, and never back down. You've you've seen Jaimon Hansu. If you've seen Gladiator, you've seen Jaimon Hansu. Oh, he's the guy that hangs out with Russell Crowe uh-huh. and the other guy. I will see you again, but yeah. not yet, you know? Okay. Now I know exactly. Okay. There you go. Uh, and so through a series of misadventures, Quill ends up uh, meeting up with Gamora, who is the, uh, the daughter of Thanos, uh, an adopted daughter, so to speak. And, uh, and he also meets up with Rocket the Raccoon, Rocket Raccoon and Groot. And uh, and then they're thrown into prison where they meet Drax, uh, and then from there they you know form an unlikely alliance that ultimately leads them on this adventure to save the universe. Is that fair? Is there yeah. you know is there right? I don't want to. I feel like we're going to go into specifics anyway, but I'm trying to avoid it as much as I can. So I'm telling you, mm-hmm. the listener, I'm trying really hard to not spoil this movie. Hopefully, since this is going to be going up like a week later. Most of you will have already seen the movie, by right? Then. I mean, ninety-four million at the bo- opening <laughs> box office—a lot of Americans. That's amazing. Seen. Like they were trying, they were aiming for seventy. They were like, "We want to break. Really? We want to break the uh, the August box office record for an action film at seventy million. It, and they obliterated it. Opening weekend, it's the ninth highest uh, Marvel movie to come out. Yeah, which is amazing because, and I don't, I don't mind telling you this from uh, from my comic book experience growing up. Uh, I'd kind of seen Guardians of the Galaxy comics. I'd seen some Rocket Raccoon comics. In fact, I have a few comics where these characters show up. Uh, like the Infinity Gauntlet storyline is my favorite storyline in Marvel Comics history. Is it really? I love it. I put it up there with Days of Future Past and Wolverine's origin story, uh, the Old Man Logan story, uh, the, uh, the the Demon in a Bottle storyline for Iron Man. There's so many great storylines, but I definitely put Infinity Gauntlet up there among the best. See, this was the first I'd ever heard of it is, you know, I never read the comics. I was never familiar with them. And going in and seeing this movie without ever picking up one of the comics or even really being that familiar with the Infinity Gauntlet, Mm -hmm. it was still so enjoyable. Yeah. It it really was because what's nice about this film is if you have never read the comic and don't know exactly what's going on, they do a nice job of explaining to you the story of, like, this is what's happening and this is why it's important. Uh And when movies do that, sometimes they treat you like an absolute idiot and they're like, 
okay, this is point A, and we got to go to point B, and then we got to go to C. This film does a really good job of explaining it, but not treating you like an idiot. Right. No, they uh, they they skillfully flesh out the characters, but then still leave you enough to fill in the gaps on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's they they play very well with subtext, and and they let you draw the conclusions. Uh, to to properly form opinions about these characters and know what their motivations are, I think the the most I think the most obvious you get with the motivations for any characters is probably Rocket because it starts off from his point of view and he's talking and and at one point he's like, "What are you drinking out of that fountain for?" You know, we're yeah. a couple of mercenaries. Like he actually says what they are. Right. Like other than that, you really don't get that from anybody else. And even the way he does it is fine within the context because Rocket's a braggart. Rocket's yeah. all he, you know, when you first meet him, he's all mouth, but I got to tell you like all of these characters from Quill all the way to Drax to Rocket and and even the monosyllabic Groot, every one of them gets really deep development within the course of this movie, which even running at about, I think it runs, what, two hours? About yeah, a two-hour yeah. running time? Yeah, yeah, just about there. Feels real lean for this movie. It feels like there's so much more they could have given us, right. and it wouldn't have felt like it was bogged down at all. Right. I, I want to touch on something you just said about how each character goes, you you get like a deep sense of each character. Uh-huh. You know, going into this movie, I was really kind of like, how's Vin Diesel going to do this? Because it's no secret, no spoiler. Everyone knows that throughout the movie, Groot only says three words throughout the whole movie. Uh-huh. I am Groot. I am Groot. That's all he says. And so you kind of think like, this is going to be a shallow character. You know, is Vin Diesel one in and was like, I am Groot. Done. Give me my fucking check. All right. Yeah. It's like, that's how it was kind of presented. You, you really thought that? Like right off the bat? Did you ever see the movie Iron Giant? No. Oh. See, that's another that's another film where Vin Diesel provided the voice for a character. Uh, he provided the the voice for the title character, the Iron Giant, and he only. I'm not going to spoil that movie at all, um, but he only says one thing in that movie, right? And it's very touching. Like everything else is kind of like just vocalizations, um, but he says like one really like th- this one thing that really resonates at the end of the film, uh, and. I got to give it up. You know, Vin Diesel does some pretty good voice acting. Well, right, because, because you know, is people have been oversimplifying it of him like, oh, he only says three words. But he does it so many different times and with so many different inflections of his voice. Uh-huh. And even though he only says those three words is like they did a really good job of – of of giving you like I, I I don't know how they did it. You identify with the character exactly. You, you, you exactly. sympathize for the character and you feel him. Uh, it's it's kind of amazing. You know, one that it's a character. It's not like this is a living, breathing person who only says those three words. So you're able to get their subtle nuances. You know, this is speaking volumes for the animators that put together the group character. Right. That they played around that physicality and they made that physicality so believable. Uh, that those three words, spoken by somebody else completely, being animated into this character would resonate with people so much right. the, to the fact that, like, this character, you know, you walk away from the movie with that character deep in your heart. Like, you oh, are, he really was. You love that character right. so much. Right. You love all of these characters, though. There's, there's a redeeming moment for every one of them. Right. And you end up... 
not only do you end up developing this care and this trust and this love for each character, but you could tell that they all develop that with each other as yes. well, yes. which is so wonderful to watch. Again, brings you back to the feeling of Firefly, that crew that you're like, you know, you've watched, if you've watched the show Firefly and then you watch the movie Serenity, you know, they kind of repeat an arc in the movie Serenity because they had to create that for a broader audience. Exactly. Uh, but still, within the course of the story of that movie, you get this feeling like these people all actually love and care for each other. They're a bunch of space pirates. They're a bunch of mercenaries. But at the end, they're family. Right. And they touch on those themes a lot in the movie Serenity. And they do the same thing in Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. And you really see, in Guardians of the Galaxy, you really see them grow as a family. Uh-huh. You see them go through these growing pains. Yes. That... Is just um is just executed so well. Uh huh. It's it's executed well, especially with characters that you know that that are developed in different ways. You know, you've got Drax, who's very literal, and so you think, oh my god, this character is going to be so one note, but he has such a a relevant and and touching arc as well. Uh, that you know that it ends up culminating at the end in a funny way, and then there's another mm-hmm. moment where uh, where he he has this moment with Rocket at the end. That and it's funny because I've seen it a couple times now, and when I've seen it, like the theater, most of the people in the theater like start laughing at this moment uh, when Drax starts petting Rocket. Mm-hmm. People start laughing at it, but for me, like I, it's, I, it's very touching for me. Like I'm, right. I'm half in tears at that moment when he touches Rocket's head, and Rocket just kind of stops, and then just kind of lets him continue, like. That is such a profound moment in this film right. that these two people that almost killed each other at the beginning of the movie have come to terms in such a way that they have this intimate, touching moment in front of a whole planet full of people. Right. And you see, I didn't put much thought into the character Drax because everything everything leading up to me watching this movie... I thought it was the. I thought it, it was four of them. You uh-huh. know, is I. I thought it, it was Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Vin Diesel, and Bradley Cooper. Uh-huh. Bradley Cooper, who provides right. the voice of Rocket. Right, right. Is I thought I thought the four of them were the team and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh wow! And so then having when Drax was introduced into the storyline, is us is at first I didn't put a lot of thought into it because I was like. Well, you know, I've seen the previews. I've seen everything. He's obviously going to die off or leave the group, whatever. And, you know, maybe a spoiler or whatever, but he doesn't and yeah. is actually part of the group. And so for me, that was a nice surprise. Going in there kind of like, you know, writing off this character, being like, okay, you know, I just want to see the four of them. And then it, it was a nice surprise and being yeah. like, wow, this was a really touching. And another character where you they do a really great job of of giving of sympathizing with him uh-huh. and giving him a good backstory yeah. and and really making like you know making you relate to him. I feel like uh Batista created a more sympathetic Drax than what I was used to in the comics. Oh really? Of of the characters and I'm okay uh, this is what I was getting ready to say before, and I totally went off track, that, you know, Infinity Gauntlet, one of my favorite stories. And that's pretty much my only exposure to characters from Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, truth be told, if anyone, if anyone tells you they were a huge Guardians of the Galaxy fan before this movie was announced, chances are they're fucking lying through their teeth. Because, <laughs> And I'm going to say the same thing about Iron Man. No one really gave a fuck about Iron Man as far as comics went until they announced 
the Robert Downey Jr. movie. Right. And even then, people kind of had their doubts, and then the movie came out, and suddenly everybody was a fucking Iron Man fan. Right. Well, in in defense of Iron Man, is Iron Man had is I would if someone were to tell me they were a fan of Iron Man before the movie. I would have a, I would believe them more than I would about Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, but mainly because like you know, is just like Batman and Superman, you know, and uh, the X Men. Iron Man had like an animated series, so he was already somewhat of a popular character. Yeah, a, a little bit, but the Guardians were focused, they were featured in a couple of Marvel animated shows as well. Really? They, they made some appearances. They didn't have their own. They're about to, but they didn't have their oh, own. Oh, are they really? Yeah, yeah. Own? Guardians are going to get their own cartoon now, which I think is awesome. I hope it's not done by like the Disney Channel. It, it's going to be. It's. I mean, it, it's owned this by is, Disney This now. is the problem with Marvel and Disney teaming up. Well, I don't know, man. I think part of the... Part of this is good because the Marvel animated features before they were owned by Disney were not very good. And now, you know, once Disney took over, you've started to get some more decent, like, ongoing animated shows. But, but I feel like that there are certain overtones in Marvel comic books that are more adult themed. Oh, absolutely. And then when you have a studio like Disney that is now making the cartoons uh-huh. is they dumb it down and make it more for children and I mean, I, 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 some, you're looking at me. Funny. You should watch Hulk versus. Check that. Watch that animated movie. It's got no, no. I'm Hulk not talking about anim- I'm, I'm talking about the like the the Disney no, animated but series. No, what I'm tr- what I'm trying to tell you is this was one of the first animated movies that came out once Marvel was under the Disney banner, mm-hmm. and it was Hulk. It's two chapters. It's Hulk versus Wolverine, and then Hulk versus Thor. And the first half, Hulk versus Wolverine, features Deadpool and like the rest of Weapon X. Okay, now and I no- have to Nola watch Nola North it. doing the Deadpool thing, and he's fucking hilarious. <laughs> you, and like the language is is right where you want it to be for an bullshit. animated you, Deadpool. You knew as soon as you said Deadpool, I had to watch it. No, well, I'm just saying, like, I'm a Deadpool fan as well, and I'm just saying, like, if if you're going to judge it based on like, oh, it's not going to be any good because Disney's going to make it all family friendly, watch this first. Now. As far as the ongoing series, the shows, it makes business sense for them to make it family-friendly. Disney, what Disney is doing and what they've effectively done and succeeded at with this Guardians of the Galaxy movie is they've taken obscure Marvel properties and marketed it to the Disney audience and made $94 million on characters whose comics did not sell this well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yes, Uh, yes, they did do that. So, yeah, it's funny watching... If you're involved in any kind of comic book groups or the community on Facebook, seeing people bitch about, like, look at all these bandwagoners, you know, on the Guardians of the Galaxy thing. And, you know, some people will try to tell you, like, oh, no, I've been fans of this since... No, they haven't. They have not. Right. I know two people who were fans of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and they were like, as soon as the movie was announced, they were quoting shit from the from the comic books. And I was like, what is that? They're like, it's from the comic. You'll, you'll see it yeah. when it happens in the movie. And I'm like, okay. These two people, they get a pass. Everybody else, me, you, the fucking guy who just bought Rocket Raccoon's first appearance on fucking <laughs> eBay for 200 bucks and tries to claim he's a huge fan. Yeah. Uh, you're all bandwagoners. But you know what? It's okay. This is awesome. Let's all celebrate the fact that this wonderful, that James Gunn, 
the guy who brought us Slither and did so much work with like trauma films mm-hmm. has put together this amazing space opera that should make J.J. Abrams shake in his fucking boots right now. He should. Because he this should. is the the this is the kind of shit George Lucas should have given us with the Star Wars prequels. This is exactly what worked about the original Star Wars movies. That they were like a, a fairy tale. They were these swashbuckling epics set in space, and that's what James Gunn attempted to do and succeeded. Uh, well above my expectations, and I think just about anybody else who's gone to see this movie. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, if you look at James Gunn's um, uh, uh, past movies that he's directed, it doesn't give you a lot of hope. That- Slither's great. Have you ever seen Slither? No, uh, no, you know, you know what I saw that came out at the same time was Teeth. Is, oh, is is that as I, I, I was and that's con- got a very similar cover cover art. Right, right. Well, but I'm just saying is you know is he. Really, Slither was the first movie that he did. Is because everything before that was just shorts and TV series. Slither uh-huh. was his first movie, and then he actually which is w- so good. And then he actually went back and did more TV. But then, but then he I forgot he did this one film, Super, uh-huh. with Rain Wilson and Ellen Page. Yes, which was a very dark, it's violent gritty. superhero gritty. movie, but also really good. Uh huh. But then he followed Super up by doing movie 43 that but everybody did movie 43 that's one of those contract movies and i've got it uh ladies and gentlemen sometimes when a when a talent signs on for a movie they're basically signed to like a so many movie deal yeah and like every five or six years you're gonna see a movie like this it's like a bunch of just shorts or sketches um and what this is this is a contract film where Everybody kind of, these people want out of their contract. They have the option to get out of a contract, but they've got to do this film, and it counts as them doing, like, their third movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, then you've got to do this, and that counts as your third film, and it gets you out of the contract. Uh, and so that's what Movie 43 is. Don't for, like, see it. For, like, it's, so many people. It's so fucking bad, but it has everybody. I know people are like, oh, my God, but it has, like, Hugh Jackman. It's got Halle Berry. It's got Chloe Moretz. It's got McLovin. Uh, it has all these different people. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't watch it. It's I made it's the mistake so of watching horrible. it. It was bad. Uh, James Gunn with Slither. Slither's like a total throwback to like classic horror from the 80s. Uh, movies like The Stuff or uh, Ghoulies or Gremlins. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what fucking Slither's like. It's got this, this fun, campy fucking script to it. Almost half the cast you'll recognize because he kind of uses the same people over and over again. Right. He's used Nathan Fillion in uh, in in Slither. He used him in Super. He used him in this. Um, Nathan Fillion was Nathan Fillion was in. He was in Super. He was the the Bible man style superhero that Rain Wilson watches on TV. Oh, I thought you were saying he was in Guardians. He is in Guardians. He's the voice of the uh, when they go into jail and that big blue alien comes up and he's like, "I'm gonna slather you up and I'm gonna." Di-. That's Nathan Fillion's voice. Now that you say that. Oh, man. Yeah. And the thing is, Nathan Fillion was supposed to be the voice of the post-credit character, but he uh, didn't want to do that because he was afraid that it would lock him in to, to, to that. Instead, he wanted to keep himself open because there's been so much talk between Wheaton now and James Gunn with the two most successful, well, I'd probably say that Winter Soldier is still like pretty fucking up there as well. Uh no, I mean, financially, no, but yeah, Winter Soldier is a fantastic fucking film. It's so well done. Uh, I, gar- I think Guardian of the Galaxy, my overall, might uh, might surpass Winter Soldier in mm-hmm. total gross, just because I'm looking at Box Office Mojo, 
And to date, um, total gross, uh, uh, Winter Soldier is about at like two hundred and fifty million. Uh-huh. And Guardians of the Galaxy is already <laughs> it's already like half of that is, within four or five days. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna come right back to that point too. But uh, between James Gunn, who's used Nathan Fillion a bunch already in his movies, and Joss Whedon helming the Avengers franchise. Fillion's going to show up somewhere. Yeah. They're going to use him. So I think it's smart of him to be like, look, I don't want to do that character. Let me just do a side character and modulate the voice so that way I'm open just in case. I mean, there was an announcement back when they first announced the cast of the Avengers. There was a huge rumor going around that Nathan Fillion was announced to be Hank Pym, which made me like second guess it when they announced the Ant-Man movie and he was nowhere to be found in that cast list. Mm. It's like, wait a minute. I thought Hank Pym. I thought he was going to be Hank, which he would have been perfect as. Um... Now, getting back to the, uh, the, 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 the fact that this movie is going to outdo Winter Soldier, this movie has so much more rewatchability than the Winter Soldier does. Now, and it's way more accessible. Even with the language, it's way more accessible to, to younger audiences. Right. Now, uh, full disclosure, I have not seen Winter Soldier. It's, so it's really good. I, I, I want to see it. It's just, you know, is you and I weren't doing this podcast yet. <laughs> and like... And I was still kind of on like, I don't go see movies in theaters anymore yeah. type, type bandwagon, which I've completely changed. Well, Hercules kind of made me want to go back to that. <laughs> Wait, Hercules? Are you are you kidding? That was the one? Out of all we've seen so far? Oh, I thought you, I, I thought you, I didn't know you were just considering what we've seen together. Yeah, yeah. I was like, there's been a lot of bad movies. Hercules is, is by far not the worst movie I've seen in the theater. Well, for me, <laughs> it, it, in recent years, it is. Oh, my God. Get over it. Okay. So, so this well, Guardians really helped me get over. Guardians it. is so man, it's so good, and it's the kind of movie that you do want to see in the theater, and you want to see if you have the opportunity. The three D works. It really does, and th- you know, if you go back and you listen to our first episode, we were talking about Godzilla and how there are parts in Godzilla where it's like you didn't need to see this in three D because there was more of people just standing around and talking, and yes. that doesn't need to be in three D. There were moments. I had I had that in mind when I was when I was watching Guardians, and there were moments where yeah there are people kind of standing around and talking because they're building up of like this and this is about to but happen. There's so much dynamic shit going on right, in the but, background. But also was, even in those scenes, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do my little test of two people standing around, see if the screen's actually blurry, and it was. Yeah. And so like, and even even when they're just kind of standing around and talking like them still being in 3D it it, it still added something to it that i don't think godzilla did is right. is you know is there are definitely scenes where if you saw godzilla in 3D like okay the screen's not blurry at it's all not, this yeah. is not shot in 3D it's the immersion it's that whole feel of the immersion and the thing is if they were to do what they did in godzilla and not do some stuff in 3D but other stuff in 3D it was going to it would take you out of it it would break the illusion you're used to seeing there especially like characters like groot and rocket with the 3D treatment, like the fur is bristling right off of yeah. Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. And like the bark, you could see like the individual little pieces of bark on Groot. It it benefits from having the 3D treatment. There, the Guardians, Guardians in 3D made me do something that I've never done in another movie that I've seen in 3D. And that is actually like jump like, oh my God, this is coming right at me. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Because I wonder if it's the same thing that happened to me the first time I saw it. Uh, was it during the Drax Ronin fight? Is that when they throw the knife? Yes, yes, yes. I, the first time I saw the movie with Howie, I ducked. 
I fucking I didn't I didn't know it was going to happen. I right. couldn't see it. I couldn't foresee it. And they're fighting, and Ronan hits Drax's hand, and the knife just comes flying at the audience. Yes, yes. I fucking ducked the first time yeah, I saw yeah. that. It's because because it was so unexpected. Because you know is is when because Drax, you know, if you see no no spoilers here, is he uses knives, uh-huh. and so. The whole time you're like, there's going to be that Matrix scene where he throws the knife and it goes in slow motion. And it looks like it's coming and right it, at it, you. It didn't slow mo. No, no, <laughs> it, it was it's, going full ass speed. Right, right. You know, yeah, it comes right at you, but they don't do the Matrix slow mo. It's no. just a boom, and you're like, oh, 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 oh. it's just a movie. Which I think I'm speaks saying. volumes for the immersion of this movie yeah. that you get so lost in this film that a fucking knife comes flying at you and you you duck. Because yeah. you feel like you're with you're in the action. You're no, so invested in this story. No other 3D movie has ever made me do that. Me neither. No, me neither. Did you know that they uh, they have a D-Box presentation of this movie as well? Do you know what D-Box is? Nope. It's kind of like, uh, you know how you get in like the, the, the thing where you sit down and like you watch oh, a movie and oh, it, and and it, it like moves around and stuff? left and right. Like, yeah. it, it's not quite 4D, but it's like one step in between sort 4D of. and 3D. Like the chairs will move and yeah. stuff and react. There's like yeah. an actual motion track on the film that feeds to the chairs in the theater, yeah. there are two D-Box theaters in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. One's in Burleson, uh, one's in Waxahachie. Oh, no. I, I totally want to make a trip and I, go to I one know. of them. I know. It's like, God, I wish I had a more free... I'm going to have to call in sick. Maybe, maybe like, next week we take a road trip down to Waxahachie. No, because next see next week I'm, I'm on my vacation. Oh, you motherfucker. So, so yeah. So you we're, motherfucker. We're, we're going to be off a week on shows. I might have to go do it then. I might make a trip. If you do it, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna be like one of those things where I'm like, dude, tell me all about it. <laughs> well, the movie. I'm just like, no, shut up. I don't want to fucking hear it. No, tell me more. And then as you describe more, I'm gonna tell you to shut up. <laughs> I really want to experience it though. With this movie, I want to go. I, I want to see it in every format I can possibly see. Yeah, it I, I had no idea. And and you know, we're sitting here. We're talking a lot about the 3D. I th- even though this movie was stunning and amazing in 3D. I think it's also going to work just as well in 2D uh-huh. because, you know, is you have certain 3D movies where they lack a storyline because they're like, oh, well, it's made to be seen in 3D and that's the really amazing part. Right. This was like everything. The 3D was really amazing, but also is the storyline story, was the writing, so great. The writing is so tight. So even if you're seeing it in 2D, uh-huh. you're still going to get, you know, just sw- swallowed in by, yeah. by, by the storyline. What I think is really good, and I think you touched on it earlier, is the fact that this movie is movie number three, I think, in phase two of the Marvel, the big Marvel plan, the big three-phase Marvel plan. And the thing is, you can jump into this movie and not have seen the other ones, and right. still enjoy it for what it is. Now, obviously, seeing the other Marvel movies helps you kind of figure out, okay, some of these things are connected. You know, I get, I see how these things are connected and how it's building towards a bigger story. Mm-hmm. But even if you don't, like, it's so easy to follow. Well, and I think that's something that Marvel does really well in all their movies is, is that all their movies are connected in certain ways, mm-hmm. but they also are really great standalone films. Not all of them. Well, I'm not, not uh, when I say that I'm thinking of uh, Guardians, Avengers, and uh, uh, Chris Evans, uh, Captain, Captain America. 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 I'll give you this. I think Iron Man was a really good film. I think first the, one. Uh huh. I yeah. think the Ed Norton Hulk I liked quite a bit. I don't think it's great, but I liked it quite a bit. There's actually a lot of talk now that um, they might actually do another Hulk well, movie. We talked about this on my comic life. 
we talked a little bit about do I want to see another Hulk movie, but there was I didn't know if they were going to make well, one. Well, is is now is now like they're still not saying yes, we're going to make a Hulk movie, but Marvel has taken notice of how well received. Uh, what's the actor's name who did it uh, in? Um, Mark Ruffalo. Yes, Mark Ruffalo. I was going to sit here and just let you like squat. Because you know who Mark Ruffalo looks like that I always get him confused with who? is uh, Vincent... Um, D'Onofrio? Yes. <laughs> so I was about to say him. I would love to see Vincent D'Onofrio. As the, Vincent D'Onofrio, by the way, the first Thor to ever appear on film. Really? Adventures in Babysitting. Totally did that on purpose. See how I tie it all around? <laughs> that was see, very well done. See how I do I'm that not shit? sure I believe you, but it's totally well done. Well, I believe me in that. <laughs> so fuck you. So uh, I, I, love, I love Iron Man. I liked the Hulk movie okay. Uh, I did not like the Thor movies, either one. I really just can't get into it. And I think part of it is I don't like Thor in the comics, so I really didn't like Thor's solo movies, but I loved the Avengers. I loved him in that movie. He was a great foil to the characters. He was a great foil to the Hulk. See, I think to better understand the first Avengers film, you have to see the first Hulk, or not Hulk, uh, the first Thor film. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, because your villain is based from yeah. the Thor movie. And and I got to, and so that that's the only reason why I say it, and I've seen both the Thor movies, and... I mean, they're, they're, they're films that I put on, and like I do get some entertainment out of it, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like, okay, well, I'm also going to play a game on my iPad there you while go. I watch it. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, no, 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 You're no. invested. I'm totally, I'm doing nothing else but watching this Right film. from the beginning, and this is the first film, and I'm not going to say, God, there's so much stuff I don't want to get into specifics. I think we've done a pretty good job of keeping it broad. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a thing, this is the first Marvel movie that I can think of that has like a moment. It starts off straight into the movie, mm -hmm. and then like after the first moment, the first scene, it goes into like the Marvel logo, and then goes into the opening credits, yeah. which I thought was really interesting. And and I think probably the best way to go. I think it so, too. It was a great way. Man, I got to tell you, like, just seeing James Gunn's previous films and just seeing the way that he handles everything with care. Like, he grew up with the same stuff we grew up with, or what I grew up with. <laughs> James Gunn and I are about the same age. And so we both grew up with, like, the same movies. And to see him, even with the movie Slither, like, he approached it with a lot of care and a lot of love. He loved those early horror films, uh, th those monster movies of the 80s. And you could see that influence. And you could tell he totally loves the sci-fi from the 80s because that totally influences what's going on in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And I love, love, love the way that like the 70s soundtrack juxtaposes the futuristic feel of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Is is I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I love movies like this where they do have an orchestra for certain scenes. They but, score it. Yeah, there's a score. Uh, yeah, but then also the, is they use pop music and pop culture and... I the the soundtrack is like I really feel like you could release the, the the soundtrack to this movie as a dual disc. Is one disc is the score, and then the other disc. They did. The Guardians of the Galaxy Deluxe Edition soundtrack is the awesome mix. Awesome mixes because you could buy them separately as well. Mm. Uh, there's Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix, which is all the pop music from the seventies, right? And then there's the score by Tyler Bates. Uh, and you could buy them separately, but a few stores got limited amounts of the deluxe edition, which is both of them put oh, together. Well, then there you go. No, dude, excellent marketing, J Jeff. Yeah, yeah. I almost called you James for some reason. Do we know anybody named James? No, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so let's get back. I mean, we covered the the performances, mm. and I think that we agree that we really dug the performances in this movie. I do have to say though, 
because we're going to come to this question a little bit later. Um, but I, I want to just kind of touch on, since we're talking about performances, Lee Pace as Ronan the Accuser. Um, I think that if I had to pick any kind of weak link in this movie, and that's not saying much. Mm-hmm. He wasn't bad. I just have to say, like, if there was a weak, a weak link to this movie, it would be Lee Pace as Ronan. Because, man, you compare his performance as Ronan uh, to, to Loki in The Avengers, the Tom Hiddleston Loki... And man, Tom Hiddleston was like the fucking Hans Gruber of the Marvel yeah. Universe. He was so good. He's that villain that you fucking loved to hate. But you yeah. like you wanted to see him get beat, but you didn't want to see him get killed. Yeah. Like you loved Loki. Ronan, I really didn't care much. Like he was kind of a one-note character. Uh he had a couple of moments where I was like, oh, that's pretty neat. But for the most part, eh, he was just kind of a run-of-the-mill supervillain. I, I totally agree with you on that. Is I mean <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know if I can add anything to it, but I do agree with you that that he, if if there was one weak link to this movie, it might have been his performance, and I don't know if that's because of the actor or because of the character and how the character was written. It was probably the character. I think it's the way that the character was written, um, and I think also it it hurts. Can we say this much? Can we say this that, that Thanos appears in this movie? I I'm surprised we're just now we're almost towards the end of this episode and <laughs> okay. we're just now talking about. Because, I just didn't because, know if we should if we well, should talk about it. But or I not. I, th- I think I think that Thanos is a big uh, is a big uh, driving force of this film. Yeah, I mean he's and, he's the biggest driving force right, of the whole and, Infinity and, and, Gauntlet saga. Well, right, and also I mean because it's not like his you know, spoiler. It's not like his uh, his appearance in the Avengers where it's like. Okay, he's on two screens. You know, he's on not on two screens. He's on screen for two seconds at the end yeah, of the film. Yeah, is is he Thanos in Guardians? Is is on screen throughout the whole movie? Well, in three scenes, two it, two is, or three scenes, he's in it. Is he really? I think just two scenes. He's just on screen in two scenes. But it's the scene where the um the the what's his name, the guy who played Wesley on uh, on Angel and Buffy, calls him to come and meet with Thanos. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexis Denisov he tells him to come and meet with Thanos and so then Ronan comes and he meets with Thanos which by the way the fucking CG on Thanos as a fan <laughs> I can't I can't say this enough like it just as a fan of the Infinity Gauntlet's uh, storyline and of the comics Thanos is one of my favorite characters when I got to meet George Perez I was like I had the choice of anything I wanted him to draw and I felt like I regretted for years the fact that I had him sketch me Wonder Woman instead of Thanos and then, like, there was, I can't remember what it was, but I think it was, oh my God, I think it was when my mother passed away and George Perez was appearing at Dallas Comic Con again. And that was the same year you got Kevin Conroy to sign a picture for me mm-hmm. that Luke got to meet uh, George Perez and asked him to sketch Thanos for me in my sketchbook and it explained what had happened and why I wasn't there. Oh. And George Perez was like, absolutely. And he sketched a Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet for me. Nice. Um, so I've always loved Thanos. So getting to see him on screen, like I was like, oh my God. And I, I turned to Howie while I was watching the movie. I'm like, I think I just peed a little bit. <laughs> and what's funny is like about 30 minutes later in the movie, Peter Quill says, I think some pee just came out of me. <laughs> like it's, it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, but I love that character and th- I love the way he looked. But I feel like the character of Ronan suffered because Thanos is such a larger than life yeah. character. And the moment the moment Thanos is on screen, you didn't want to see Ronan anymore. No, you're you absolutely wanted right. more Thanos. You're you wanted to see more right. of him. You're absolutely right. Um, plus, I would have probably 
I probably would have liked instead of Ronan being the main villain of this movie, maybe it just being Nebula because Karen Gillan was fantastic. I gotta say, up until last night, I had no idea that was Karen. Uh, you didn't Gil- know that was Amy Pond? I had no idea. Holy and, shit! And then and then Sam from My Comic Life was like, "Yeah, that was Amelia Pond." I was like, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> and then I get on IMDb and I just, "Holy shit!" Yes. You can't mistake those lips, man. That's that's Amy Pond. Mm, okay, I don't want to go down that road with you, but all right. I'll take your what? Word. what? Why can't... is that bad? I don't you know. Dude, talk that... about Amy Pond's like her pouty lips. I'm just saying that's a weird like characteristic like to be like yeah, just her lips are really recognizable. Uh, Editing Bay and Afternoon Delight listeners, holler back on our Facebook page. Does Karen Gillan or does she not have amazing pouty lips? I'm just saying. that's all. <laughs> Title your message: Pouty lips. <laughs> just let let us know. Uh, what else do we want to talk about with this movie? Uh, I, I really don't feel like there's much else we can talk about because without spoiling it. Yeah, because like I'm already on the verge of like being like, well, but then this, and then it's like, well, 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 no need, you know. Do, like, do you want do you want to do something a little different? What do we want to like? Okay, if you want a spoiler free podcast, this is it. This is the end. Turn it off right now. Yes. And now we can talk about spoilers. Yeah, okay. Okay, we're going to give you a count of 10 to go ahead and turn this off because we're about to go into spoiler territory for a couple minutes. 10, 9, 8765432, Okay, <laughs> so dude, holy shit, after the credits, fucking Howard the Duck. What the fuck was that? <laughs> that because, was amazing. Because, because I am not familiar with, like, the only thing I know Howard the Duck from is the uh, the movie with uh, what's her name? Car- Caroline Ray isn't no, no that no, wasn't Caroline. No, that's Ray. a fictional character, I think. No, she's a comedian. Caroline Ray is actually a comedian. Then who? Then the she red... was Caroline in the city. That's what her name is. Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson. She yeah. was in Back to the Future. I know. As soon as you said Caroline, thing, I was like, oh fuck, Leah Thompson, Back to the Future. I fucked up big time. But Leah Thompson looking the best she's ever looked in her life in that movie. I watched that movie way too young and. Some things started stirring up in me. <laughs> oh my god! Learning way too. I couldn't talk about fucking lips four minutes ago. You're too much. Uh, no, dude. Howard the fucking duck, voiced by Seth Green. Right. Which I, I was so unexpected. Like I, I when I saw when when we cut to the after the, the that scene, I was like. Is that supposed to be Howard the Duck? Yeah, and and then and then when I, the martini glass and he takes a drink and says a smart ass comment, I was like, <laughs> "Burns going down." Yeah, I was I was like, "Oh, that is Howard." It's the Howard duck. the Duck. And then I was like, "What the fuck because, does Howard?" Because I thought Howard the Duck was just that movie, and like no. someone in the eighties was like, "I'm going to no. do a lot of blow, and I'm going to write this fucked well, up." Well, he, he did, but he wrote a comic book called Howard the Duck from Marvel Comics. I didn't know who it actually showed up in a lot of galactic adventures. He did a lot of stuff in space. And I had dimensions. no idea. I like I said, I only know Howard the Duck from the eighties movie. Oh my god, no! I loved Howard the Duck, and you know what? Fuck you if you think I'm a bandwagoner. I've got like the the Howard the Duck omnibus at home that I've owned for fucking years. I've got the first appearance of Kiss in Marvel Comics in the Howard the Duck comics. Uh, I love fucking Howard the Duck, and uh, and and I love that they brought him back in this movie. One, the fact the history between Marvel 
and and the whole Howard the Duck movie franchise and the, or the the history between Disney and Marvel. The fact that when they first introduced Howard the Duck in the comics, he looked too much like Donald Duck. Mm-hmm. And so Disney sued and they had to change the look of Howard the Duck in the comics. Oh wow. And now the fact that it's owned by Disney and Disney put him in his original like appearance how he looked and they put him at the end of this movie is fucking amazing. And I know it doesn't mean that we're going to get a Howard the Duck movie, but holy shit. You know, we should. I loved where he was. I love that he's in the collector's uh, in, in nowhere. He's in the collector's lab. And you've got all those all those cases, all the trophy cases. Mm-hmm. You've seen the the dark elf from Thor. Uh, you've got the uh, you've got Howard the Duck in there. There's a few other characters. There's one thing in there that they've just addressed online uh, that the cocoon that you see is Adam Warlock's cartoon uh, cocoon. Oh. And Adam Warlock is one of the other characters who helps bring down Thanos in the Infinity Gauntlet story. And the thing is, like, when he uh, arrives on Earth, uh, Moon Dragon, I think it's, like, Moon Dragon, uh, and I can't remember what the name of the troll guy is, but they, like, bring his cocoon to Earth, and he ends up, you know, shedding the cocoon, and he's reborn, and he helps the heroes take down Thanos. Huh. Um, so I love that little, like, kind of introduction. Like, it's there. They might not use it, they might use it, but it's there. Uh Cosmo, the Russian fucking space dog. I love that he makes an appearance. Right. I was telling a friend of mine, I was like, oh my God, you know, I just hope this movie does really well so that way in the sequel we see Cosmo, the space dog. Because we just assume like he wasn't going to be in it. Yeah, well, but you, you see him through in the film, in, yes. in, in, in the collector's uh, little... In the in the trophy case, in the trophy case, yeah, and then you know, and then at the end of the movie, he <laughs> makes another appearance, yes, uh, at or not at the movie at after the credit scene. Uh-huh. Did you tear up at all while watching this movie? There were a couple times. There were oh, well, since we're doing spoilers, yes, yeah, when, when spoiler territory, when, now. when when Groot, when you're when you're led to believe that Groot died, uh-huh. and he died for such a noble cause, yes. Is like that it, the line when when Rocket Raccoon's climbing up and because the ship's crashing, they're all right. on this ship and it's about to crash and Drax is out cold and uh, and like Peter and, and and Gamora, they've got Rocket and Groot's watching as the ship's getting ready to crash. There's nothing they could do, so Groot creates this like huge this huge wooden like cocoon around them mm-hmm. made of just himself. And so then they cut to inside and he's got all the fireflies going on so they can see what's going on. And he's there in the it. middle and rocket comes up to me. He's like, no Groot, you'll die. I don't want to talk Why are you it. doing this? Oh, and Groot has like this little tendril of tree comes out and just touches rocket's face and says, we are Groot. Oh my fucking God. Like I just start tearing up. I know the movie, a, a friend of mine works for Disney and he sent me a link where I could watch the movie ahead of time. And I, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to watch a half hour of it and I'm not going to watch anything else. I'll just watch a half hour just to get a feel for it. The, the version I saw started where star Lord lands on Morag and is going through like, and, and finds the orb. It did not have the very first part of the movie. on. Oh, wow. Where, uh, where you, you see, uh, he's where he, as, a, as kid a kid in the hospital oh, wow. with his mother, who's dying in a hospital bed, which hit way too close. Yeah. To home. When I saw the opening, I was like, Oh yeah. It, Cause yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of, of what you've been through. It, yeah. it hits way close to home. And then like at the very end where he's got the, when he catches the infinity stone, and like you see the part where Gamora screams, take my hand. And then it cuts to like, it's his mother laying there yeah. saying, take my hand. Fucking waterworks. Like I was yeah. just tearing. And that is something that's really profound about this film. The fact that they take this sci-fi action goofiness. It's a goofy movie, 
but it's got so much fucking and, heart. And and there were some adult themes that I wish I, I meant to bring this up before we got in spoilers territory, but there were some adult themes that I'm like, wow, I can't believe they did this. I lost my shit when uh, when when uh, Chris Pratt's character Peter sends a message and John C. Riley's talking <laughs> to Glenn Close, yes. and he was like, he's like, eh, yeah, he said uh, not everyone's a he, dick. He and may, I, no, he says he he knows he's an a hole. But he's not a hundred percent a dick. dick. All right, and and then and then they do a callback to that later in the film, and like and John C. Riley and all of them are helping out the guardians. Yeah, and like Chris Pratt is like, oh, he got my dick message. <laughs> he got my dick I message. Lost my shit. Everything in that about that whole just that whole little through line fucking cracked me up. The fact that Glenn Close is like, do you believe him? And then John C. Riley is like, well. I don't believe anybody's 100% a dick. dick. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just the, the delivery of that. John C. Riley is really well used in this movie yeah. while not overdone. Exactly. Is is I thought that they might use John C. Riley a little much for comedic relief, but they really didn't need it and like you just said, yeah, they use him the proper amount uh-huh. and the and when he is used is it's really well, you know, he does his his delivery is is done really well. Yes. Um I think that's it. Like, just talking about spoiler territory. Oh, and, you know, obviously what I was referring to earlier, just the fact that, like, after Groot's dead and they do defeat Ronan, uh, you know, and, and, and Rocket's sitting there crying with a stick, one of, like, the, this twig that has, like, that was Groot. And when Drax comes over and just starts petting him, I was like, right. oh, my God. But how awesome when, like, you see the twig start to, like, yawn and come to life and uh, you realize, like, oh, Groot's coming back. Well, be- be- because because before you see the – before you start to realize, okay, Groot's going to grow back, is you just see Rocket carrying the stick that he was holding. Yeah. And, like, you're like – Wow, that's just such a touching. Like it's he, so sweet. He, he doesn't want to let his friend go, and so he puts him in this plotted, uh, potted plant, uh-huh. and like all this. And then he's like, "Bam, he's back!" And then you're like, "Oh, uh-huh. oh holy shit! Yeah. Oh, oh, oh!" And then we hit the Jackson Five song as we hit the credits, and then we just kind of cut to a little scene where like little little baby Groot in the pot is dancing, dancing. and you see uh, Drax. Drax. He's sharpening his knife in the background, and. Like, and, and he turns and looks, and like Groot stops dancing and freezes. So adorable. Right, right. I thought that was great. Yeah, uh, it's a movie that leaves you wanting more. Mm-hmm. It's a movie that uh, that pleases. It's it's such a crowd pleaser. Um, I'm so excited. I'm so glad that it's making as much money as it is. I'm glad that not only is it making money, but it deserves it. Uh, it's so well done, and it makes me look forward to not only another Guardians of the Galaxy movie, but what other obscure characters can Marvel bring to the forefront right. uh, and expose to new audiences. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? No. On this? All right. No. I, I'm sure we went long, and we apologize yeah. for that. Uh, but we'll go ahead and we'll wrap this up, and we will see you next week for another Afternoon Delight. Afternoon Delight. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.